All right, welcome back to a, a gloomy Friday episode of MVP Real Estate Podcast. Uh, we've got Jamie here from, I'm just going to group it into the West Coast, because she's got, <laughs> before the show, she was telling us she lives in like four different areas, um, which we're going to dive into a little bit during the show. Um, but welcome on the show, Jamie. Thanks for giving us your Friday morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, and to go into everything that you do, just give us, I feel like it's going to be a huge, uh, <laughs> elaborate uh, business that you've going on, going from Arizona to Colorado was like the stretch that I gathered. Um, but tell the audience what you do and how you got to the position you're in. Yes. So my husband and I, we, I have, I have a real estate team in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and then he's a mortgage lender. And then between us, we've got about 60 rental rental units. So doors, we've got a few apartment complexes, a few vacation rental properties, as well as some single family homes. I guess having that is awesome. as a mortgage broker, it's really beneficial for you then. It's extremely beneficial. <laughs> I'd say. I, right now, my husband and I, we're looking at getting our second um, vacation property. And we were just talking with mortgage lenders the other day and like the different types of loans that are out there. It's like, we didn't even know about some of them. So I'm sure that you're very well equipped to be purchasing vast amount of properties. Yeah. It's cool. Cause he can structure the deals like with commercial, between commercial financing, residential financing, really like understanding what, what makes the most sense for us. And we've even analyzed it because he talks about this on our podcast actually, but interest rate isn't everything. And everyone always thinks interest rates, everything, but you know, when you work with a bank, a relationship bank, and they're able to get you money in two weeks or able to close something, nobody else can, like, there's a lot more to the time even invested in the back end of a loan. Cause you know, when you get a mortgage, like there's a lot of time and good documentation and yes. making yep. sure they understand. And especially with a portfolio, you have to provide all your rental and your business docs on top of it. So to have somebody that understands that is super important. Well, you married yeah. well. <laughs> Thank you. I agree. <laughs> Were you two into real estate before you guys met or before you guys got married? Or is that something you guys worked on together and built your empire? <laughs> we like, we bought our first property together. Um, we, he was, he did do mortgages before we met, um, but he comes from a military background. I was just, I've always been in sales. So I decided when he and I got together, um, we met in Las Vegas. <laughs> um, I got pregnant and a then we- A fun weekend? Huh? A fun weekend? Oh yeah. <laughs> fun weekend turned into 13 years. Oh um, so we, yeah, we met in Vegas. And then when I found out I was pregnant, we moved to Nebraska to be closer to my family and have the support for my family. And from there, he found a job in mortgage in Nebraska. And then I ended up getting my real estate license. Uh, tried selling real estate for about a year. It was 2010, right after the crash. It was the first time home buyer tax credit. Uh, so it was pretty like, the. it was actually good. It was a good first year in real estate. Um, but just, I ended up going a different route with my career for a short amount of time. And then got back, me and him are like both back in a real estate full-time. We've been building our real estate portfolio for six years now. Wow. Congrats. Nice. So it was over six years, you guys compiled 60 doors? 
about 60 yards. Yeah, I haven't looked. And then we're in contract on 21 more right now. So I stopped. I'm kind of awesome. lost on the count now. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> mind boggling. That's a good problem to have. Absolutely. Good problem to have. Uh, and did you guys focus on starting to take the leap right away into multifamily? And the reason that I ask is because a lot of people who are just getting into real estate investing think that going into like the fourplex, eightplex, or apartments is a very daunting task to start simple with a single family. Now, and you guys actually coming from like the real estate background, maybe it's not as frightful. You know, it was, it's, I was a buyer's agent at first, or at least I, I spent a lot of time working with buyers. And that's how I found a lot of our deals was like, I'd go into a house and find out that everyone was saying, you know, I'd get a text from the listing agent after like, send an offer, any offer. And I was like, well, my client's not interested, but this, I'm onto something here. Yeah. <laughs> we'd send over an offer. And so we did get into it with single family. Personally, for me, um, if I would have done apartments first, I probably wouldn't have lasted just full disclosure, okay. but we also, yeah. the apartments that we own are like class C, like we're not, so we've had to completely flip and we've converted them, but we've had to completely flip the, the entire tenant pool. We've had to renovate the entire units. And obviously that's expensive. It's time consuming. Um, so there's, if you buy a, a, an apartment building or a fourplex or aplex that's completely, you know, it's been done. You spend a little bit more, but the, the headache factor is definitely reduced. And me and Brad have bought both ways where like we've bought the apartment complexes that need a lot of work. And then we've bought the ones that it's, it's more of a, we just want cash into the business. So we pay, we pay more per door, but we have immediate cash going into the business versus us, us having to, you know, put out a bunch of money to update that unit as well as, you know, you have to analyze everything when you're looking at an apartment complex and yes, can you increase the rents? But if it's going to take you six months to do the renovation, how much rent did you use on lose on 10 doors while you were doing the renovation? And could you have found something for the same price? So it's like, you have to really like dig into all the numbers versus just figuring out what's the price per door and what's the cap rate we just that's not something we utilize as cap rate because we found that they're always so we we always have an opportunity to reduce the insurance expense or um there's a lot of things that we have vendors in house that can help us so the cap rate for us is a little bit it's not really an accurate number so we don't research that so when you talk about people getting into it I'm always like run the numbers yourself get your own insurance quote know how much you're going to put into it and then make a decision. If it makes sense for you, jump on it, do it. For sure. Yeah. It's not scary and though. Just like you get more cash. <laughs> yeah. More cash on like the apartment building. With the, the loans, interest rate isn't everything. And when you're buying price per door, isn't everything. Cause I know that running a single family and running an apartment complex is way different. And right. when you're talking about buying a class C and for everybody listening, in the real estate world, you usually get class A, which is like your luxury apartments, your class D, which is like bare bones, low income renting. And then obviously it's tiered system from there. Um, but the amount of effort it takes to transfer, I'm gonna call it the culture of that building, the tenants inside, 
the energy of that building is not like you snap your fingers and you get all new tenants. It takes so much time. It takes so much work that either you or your property manager that you're paying. So keep that in mind. It's either going to spend your time or your money to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to factor it in. You've got to be realistic with it because it's not an easy fix. Uh, right. So many stories I've listened to where people would buy like a, a class C or class D apartment. And one of their expenses was a, an, uh, not a city police officer, but a security guard 24 wow. seven just to roam the building because it was, there was a lot of like theft in the area or drugs in the area. And just yeah. putting up like a gate in a security guard is the start of the transformation, but it's a lot of work. So yes, definitely take that into consideration. It is a lot of work. I remember, oh my gosh, I can't, so you talk about stories. Give us a story. Oh my gosh. The, Leave this is our out. first apartment building, first apartment building. And my husband, I don't know. It was kind of funny because he was like, I remember when he called me and he's like, he was supposed to go walk the units. And he's like, Hey, are you busy? I'm like, it depends. What's the, <laughs> it depends <laughs> on what the next question is. He's like, I was supposed to walk these units and I stuck in a meeting, whatever. And I was all dressed up because I was supposed to go to this event. And I'm like, well, I have time. I didn't calculate me walking through a building and leaving smelling different than I went in. Oh, but no. I went and walked the building and oh my gosh, it was, it was rough. But so we ended up mm. buying the building. It was a really good price for, I mean, it was so cheap. I can't even remember what we paid per door. Um, but we bought the building. We start renovating the building. I go over there and there's like, in the laundry room, this is 12 units. There's like blood on the floor. Oh, no. And I'm like, what in the hell? Like, and it wasn't like, we weren't worried about crime or anything like that, but I was like, what is this? Well, come to find out we, we, we don't have any business partners now, but on this particular bit, on this particular building, we did because we, um, the guy brought us the deal. And so we all went in on it together as far as like he, he brought the deal and he wanted to be in on it. So we ended up buying him, him out later, but He's, he went over there, talked to the tenants. It turns out one tenant gifted another tenant a chicken and they slaughtered it in the laundry room. Oh, and it was like a totally normal thing, but (laughs) like, oh my gosh. So then we start renovating the building. And I remember I went to the basement unit and I open it and like roaches just fall, start falling down. And I'm, I've never like physically seen like other than maybe like one walking around like roaches everywhere. And I'm, I'm like, I can't, this is what I said. If this would have been our first experience or our, our, like out of all rentals, if this would have been our first experience, I would have been out. I was like, I can't ever do this again. I'm never coming. This oh, building again. Oh but we end up gutting everything. There's no roaches now. And actually it's like a, a nice building now, but it just took. Oh. And we, we, at that time, we didn't have a lot of cash extra to do the whole building at once, get everyone out. So we were waiting till people's leases were up, letting them have a 30 day notice and then renovating one unit at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have a roach infestation, what happened is the five basement unit was the last one basically we renovated. So we pushed, like we were renovating and the, they were just moving unit to unit. So it's like, oh my gosh, total learning experience. The next building we bought, we made sure that we were able to, we literally got everybody out took it down to the studs and redid the whole building in one, in one big thing. 
and now the built like both of those buildings but that and so that building that was our second or third I can't remember which one we bought first but um we actually converted one of our buildings to all short-term housing so it's six units and they're all short-term housing so we do 90 day like um furnished finder through like travel nurses so nice. those are really good okay they rent for about double what they normally would mm-hmm. so normally it's 750 and we get 1550 on these units awesome in Omaha so I know uh, that was, that's been a really good profitable thing for us I was looking at the traveling nurse thing for our next um for our next property I was really looking into that as well um just because we were thinking of doing short-term rentals because we wanted to utilize it for us as well but then didn't want to do the whole like vrbo or airbnb because we've just heard such like horror stories about the guests just being pains and i just was like i don't want to have that headache um but the the traveling nurse thing i thought could be a great option so it really is and once you have like a flow because they they get their 90-day contract so we've noticed we didn't know how it would go. I'm like, are we ever going to line these up? <laughs> and sure enough, like they're, they're, the hospitals are pretty consistent in their stuff. So it's like in April, we have a big turnover mm-hmm. because we took everyone in, in January and now we're turning them on and they're all rented again in April. It's awesome. What I have learned though, is like, we tried to do half and half where we did like a couple short-term rentals and, a, and the rest were like long-term. And that was a huge mistake because- oh. The tenant, really? yeah, you have like the long-term tenants and the drama of the long, like there's just drama in an apartment building. It's, yeah. you hear their noise. It's not, you know, it's just normal drama. We, I, I've lived in an apartment. I remember like, um, you know, this person's dog is outside and barked at me or there, you know, all the things. Yeah. So when you have a short-term tenant mixed with a long-term tenant, you do have, like you said, like almost the higher level of like the guest experience. Gotcha. So they're expecting a little bit of like a nicer experience. And yeah. so when we turned one whole building into it though, that has been, it's been nothing but good things and your units don't get the wear and tear. And so I do, we do have Airbnb VRBOs. Uh, and I have like a love hate relationship with it. Sometimes I'm like, I'm, you know, I just turn it off. All you do is go click a button in Airbnb and I'm like, all right, I'm done for, you know, a month. Yeah. And then I turn it back on when I feel like doing it again. Now we have too many. I can't just go turn it off because we have a lot of Airbnbs, but like our property and we have two properties in Colorado and we have two properties in Scottsdale. And like, if we're going to be traveling, we're at a point now it's nice. Cause I do, we were just talking about our house in Colorado. Like we love it here. And we did use air. We, it has been on Airbnb, but like, I don't rent it more than twice a month. Cause I don't want it to get destroyed, but we make like 450 bucks a night on it. Our mortgage is 2,600 bucks. So our mortgage is paid in basically a weekend and a half. For sure. So we yeah. can rent it for two weekends. And even if we don't come out here, we just, I don't want, yeah. It's like the yeah. headache factor and all the extra phone calls, messages, right. me and my husband were just talking about this the other day. Cause I said, you would be blown away if you went through my phone and saw how many messages I respond to. Like, I never tell him any of it. Cause it would, it's like overwhelming, mm-hmm. but it is like, yeah. Hey, we couldn't get the Keurig working. We couldn't, you know, do this. We couldn't get it like this. One of my girls went into private property the other day and got locked on property on somebody on one of the, in Arizona. I was like, Oh, 
She goes, can you tell me how to get out of here? And she's like, sending me pictures. I'm like, I have no idea where you are. She's like, well, I went on a walk and it said like, I needed a pass, but it was open. So I went in and sure enough, like, she's like, I went back out and I couldn't get out and I didn't have a key card. I asked a lady, she's like, luckily I was skinny enough to squeeze through the gate to escape. God, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I don't even know. Like, this is real life right now. <laughs> it, it's crazy. Life is crazy. The wonders of self-managing your own property. Yes. And that's what I was going to ask. Do you have any property managers with your properties then? I don't have any, pro- like, I don't have any property management companies. I do have staff. So I have a full-time, uh, I have a full-time property manager that works out of our office. She manages, um, all of our stuff in Omaha. She does help me with the Colorado and Arizona. It's a little bit harder for her. She's never, she has been to her property in Arizona actually, but it's just harder because she's not as familiar with the properties. Mm-hmm. So I end up, we're both on them. So if she knows the answer, she'll respond. But for the most part, it's usually like our Arizona house is one that we live in the house and then we have a casita. Okay. So it's like a little guest house out front. And then our winter park house, like I know where I've, I've, I'm the one who has most recently been here. So if something is like, I'm looking for whatever, I'm the one who has to answer because she doesn't know. Right. right. What's been like the, your biggest headache with Airbnbs or your rental properties in general? Um, you know, I think if people truly understand that this is a business, there's going to be work involved. I don't really know. Hi, baby. Um, I don't really know about biggest headache because bigger headache usually means bigger paycheck Okay. or bigger That's equity position. Point. That's a very good point too. So when we've, and every, and we've been good about analyzing our properties. And so sometimes I will, I would like, I, I think the biggest headache thing has been the apartment buildings and just the drama when we're trying to turn them over. And even like the neighbors will call me. And like, Hey, just so you know, like we've had, this is, this apartment building always been a problem. It's always going to be a problem. Like, good luck. Like I've had those phone calls and like, or what are you going to do about it now that you own it? You know, just like the coming at me and I'm like, okay, first of all, we're updating everything. Like you should be happy that we bought the building. Mm-hmm. And so those are headaches. Those are the biggest headache factors. But at the end, when we look at our cash flow and we look at our equity position, I see the big number at the bottom and I'm like, all right, I, I can handle that. When I first got into it, I had to focus on the principal reduction on our mortgages. Like <laughs> that was something because we didn't have a lot of cash flow and we were buying, you know, properties that were like our appreciation was going through the roof, but some of our properties broke even because we knew it was, I just wanted the mortgage to be covered, but yep. I knew it was a good property. I knew that long term we were going to have, you know, an amazing result. And, and we absolutely have. And now we have great cash flow because we've, you know, fix up the property and we didn't have all the money. We couldn't just go in and fix up every property that we bought. We had to get it to the point of where it was and it was, they were all habitable, but like we couldn't always do all the things that I would have done to update it. So then it's like, instead of getting 1350 a month, we're maybe getting 1150 or 1200. Right. So uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but Oh, just prepping your, yourself for like, when I was doing it, I would look at principal reduction because no, the bank account didn't grow every month. But when I would look at our balance sheet and I would say, oh my gosh, like each, each property, we've got 10 of them is getting a $500 principal reduction. We're actually getting $5,000 a month 
in cash flow, like in theory, but you know, yeah. so many people get caught up on, and I work with a lot of investors as a real estate agent, get caught up on the cash flow or the R or the, you know, the ROI on their cash on cash return. That's what I was looking for. And you, it's like, well, no, you have to look at the current market. Where do you want to buy property in? Because if it's right across the street from your house, you just save money and not having to drive across town to check on the property. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, go out of your way. You don't have to spend a weekend, like fixing, like if you can just check on the property because it's two seconds away and it's convenient for you, that makes sense. And that actually, you need to calculate that into your time, you know, your time involved in your, your cash on cash return. Mm-hmm. And for on the renovations that you that you've done, do you guys do any part of the renovations or do you sub all that stuff out? We sub it all out. Um, I, me and Brad have painted, he attempted some drywall at one point, he's fixed a toilet, but we are not, I'm very hands-on and I have to be, you can tell, like I'm jittery all the time. I have to be moving. Uh, so like me, what happens usually is I hire somebody and they don't get to the job quickly enough. And then the next time I go show it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is making me crazy. And I go buy paint and I go and paint like myself or I'm whatever it is. I'm like, okay, this, I'm going to figure out how to get this fridge switched out. Like I just, See, like I'm, I said, I, I'm a doer. <laughs> I'm a demo queen. I love demos. Yes. So. so yeah, you ready to tear it out. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> the funnest part. For sure. I totally, I just tore apart my entryway. Like I just sledgehammered everything and it was so like stress relieving. I'm like, this is great. Yes, it is. It really is. Stressful. I remember I came over and opened the door and I was like, okay, your tiles are gone. <laughs> Just ripped up the whole tile floor yep. in like and, a matter of a couple of days. Yep. And now it's gorgeous. So <laughs> that's awesome. I, knew I it love it. Yeah. <laughs> so in your whole portfolio, uh, now you go across states, take us through the chain of where you purchased first and how it spread over time. And then I want to dive into like your timeline on that apartment complex. But I, have a, I have a quick question. Are you licensed in Arizona to, as a realtor as well, Then Not yet. I will be. I'll be licensed in Arizona and Colorado, but I'm not, I'm only licensed in Nebraska right now. Gotcha. So how do you find um, real estate agents then? I, so with, I met EXP Realty. So we've got so many agents and I actually have like networked, like I'm in a group within EXP that's like, top producing agent. So I can go in that. It's like a workplace, workplace yeah. group and then go find other, t- cause I find the people who like know what we're, what our goals are. Mm-hmm. And I no crap. Sorry. I swear on mine. Um, <laughs> it's completely fine. Oh my, oh my gosh. I don't know if there's any investor who doesn't swear, but maybe there is, uh, <laughs> the, in the, or in Arizona, I found a property and I reached out to five agents, five, I got, and I've reached out to him on Thursday and I told, I tell Kelly the story. Cause I, I was trying to interview kind of, I was trying to find the interview agents for my team. And obviously Kelly is my agent out there, but she's not like going to join my team because she's a badass, Right. So I told her, I was like, I'm just going to see if there's like, I'm going to reach out to a few people. I posted on a mom's group and I was like, Hey, I'm new here. I'm starting a team. You can look me up. Uh, and a couple of people had commented on that post, like, oh my God, I'd love to talk to you about being on your team. I'm in, you know, I'm in real estate. Well, I ended up like messaging them and saying, Hey, I found a property. Can you show it to me? And we write, like I write sight unseen and not one person responded to me. 
I finally got a response on Sunday evening and the house was pending, of course. And it was Brad met, he was like, we were like sitting in the car and he's like, Hey, did you ever hear back about that property that you sent me in Scottsdale? And I was like, actually, no. And I reached out to five different people. That's crazy. It was nuts. And so when we, you know, (laughs) if you're a real estate agent, if you have real estate agents that listen to this, like we, if you're doing, I mean, that's why there's such a big gap in, you know, people who are doing really well and people who aren't like, Mm -hmm. if you're not going to answer your phone, if you're not going to check your messages, if you think that this is just like, whatever, you're not going to do well. Right. And so, yes, it's, it's interesting, but we started to answer your question. We started our portfolio in Nebraska with our, our primary residence. So we, we had bought a little two bedroom, two bath town home and it was on an FHA mortgage. I bought it for 103,000 and lived there. And then we basically upgraded our home and we did, we didn't know even what we were going to do. We're like, do we rent this out? Do we sell it? And I was in the same position as most people. Like I'd heard so many story horror stories about renting out property that I was scared. I had like this fear of like, let's just sell it and get the equity out. Mm -hmm. And then we ended up listing it for rent and just trying it. Um, it went amazingly well. The the property is in a great location. So, and it's a two bedroom. So we always had like, every time it was like the, like not fair housing. We didn't, we didn't know this when, before they moved in. Okay. We didn't no fair housing violations. All right. <laughs> but it was funny because it was like always a couple, they'd get together, then they'd get married. Like it was the house that people oh. like, they like started their life. That was like, they we both have an apartment. We're moving into this town home together. And then they'd end up getting married and calling me and being like, can we get out of release? Cause we got married we're going to buy a house. And I've actually helped a few of them buy houses, but oh, it's awesome. like, it's just been an interesting property because it, it went really well. And so then we decided to do it again. My, my grandpa ended up passing away and we bought the house out of the estate. That was drama. Cause it was like, my uncle thought it was worth this. My dad thought it was worth this. None of them wanted to come to Omaha and do anything with the property. So I got so frustrated because I said, yeah, I'll buy it. And like, what's the price? And they told me, and I was like, okay, that, that works. And then like, they called me back and like, no, we're not selling it to you because blah, blah, blah. They think it's a conflict of interest and you're just getting a deal. And I'm like, well, I am, but have you seen the property? Yeah. <laughs> so sure. we like went through all this like drama back and forth. I was like, you know what, you guys just, you have figured it out, hire whoever you want. I'm out. And then of course, after about a month of them probably trying to figure it out, they called me back and they're like, all right, when like, what do we need to do? Can you send me a purchase agreement? Whatever we need to do. And I'm like, yep. So that was our second property. Uh, and then, and now it's kind of a joke because every time anyone in my family moves, we buy their houses. And so my mom ended up finding a condo and I bought her house so that she wouldn't have to move. Like she could just move all of her stuff slowly. Yeah. Gave her like three months to move in. And my brother ended up moving to Minnesota. We bought his house. So literally we bought like my entire immediate family's housing. That's hilarious. Yeah. And from there we had equity. So of course we've, now we have, we're in a good equity position and that's when we started cross leveraging. So we could buy additional properties. We could buy the apartment complexes. Like that's where it really grew. Now I will say as of recently, when we went to, when we started going to winter park to ski, we fell in love with this. And we're, when we looked at the housing prices, it was kind of sticker shock, right? We're like, well, it's a pipe dream. Like $800,000 houses are just not like, 
it, it just like, it's, it was intimidating. Like, how do we cover that? You know? And then when, when yeah. you realized Brad's like, well, we only need 10% down, but up to, you know, I think that at the, that time, the, the loan limit was like 547 and we found a property for 797. So we did have to come up with $200,000, which was hard. And we were like stretched, but once we figured it out and made it work, we, we bought the, the property out here and it was like life-changing for us. Cause then we realized we get a property that we actually enjoy. We didn't, that was a first for us. Like we hadn't had a property that we get to spend time in and enjoy on top of getting rental income out of it. So this really changed our perspective, but then what really changed it is when we realized the taxes. So from Omaha, our tax bill, our taxes in, in Nebraska are outrageous. And I will just say that. Really? I hope somebody, I hope the governor from Nebraska hears this podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it multiple times, but we have really started analyzing moving our money. And because, you know, when you've got, when you're paying taxes on, I don't know what we have in Nebraska specifically, but let's say $7 million, it's a lot of, lot of money. And our tax bill, like on a $300,000 house there is right around 3%. So the tax bill is right around $10,000 for a $300,000 house. Well, in wow. Colorado, we bought an $800,000 house. And I think our tax, now it wasn't fully assessed because we bought new construction. So it was $1,200. I think it's going up to 1,600 or 2,000. But let's just say it went up to 3,000. Like let's double what we think it is. Yeah. We're still like we, on an $800,000 house, we'd be paying a $20,000 tax bill. So we can buy $250,000 more with worth of house in another market with a lower tax bill. And so we had this moment of, well, do we want to pay the tax bill or do we want to pay ourselves principal and right. gain equity? So now there's that like conversation going on of, and so we've started purchase, like we've, we now have two places in Colorado. We've got two places in Arizona. And people think that's like unattainable. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, I can't afford that. You guys did that, but that's because you've been doing this for so long. And I'm like, no, you guys actually now it makes sense to invest in Nebraska to start because you can buy at a lower price point. Mm -hmm. So you can get in and buy 150 to $200,000 house. And it's not, you know, it's not easy in this market, but it's, you, it's easy to find. Whereas no, in, you know, Colorado and Arizona, mm -hmm. you're at a, you're just naturally at a higher price point, but you can buy higher. Yeah. No, my, my right. husband and I, we invested out in Oregon and kind of same thing. Like it's just expensive, but that's where we want to end up. That's kind of where we love um, our first house is in like wine country in, in um, Oregon. Nice. Yeah. We love it, um, but we don't get to use it. So that's why I was like, maybe we can get a house on the coast in Oregon and then we can actually use it. Cause my son fell in love with it out there. I fell in love with it. And I was just like, that'll, that's, that's our next one. That's kind of what I want to be like with like what you said, like we can actually use this property and like have enjoy it, you know? Yep. So your property yeah. in Oregon, you said you don't get to use it. You have it like rented long-term or yeah, long-term rental. Um, just because we're going to move out there and like eight or nine years when my son goes to college um hopefully ah. he'll go to college out there yeah um but then we don't like if we don't know what we're going to do with the house that we're living in currently so it's kind of one of those things that rent like, it yep that's yeah yeah about it. so <laughs> it's one of those things do we want to take the equity or do we want to take the monthly you know income rent it and cross leverage pull the equity out but <laughs> 
Exactly. Thank you. I knew there was a reason you brought her on the show. Because you need somebody else to tell you this, not just me. It's been, Marcus has been on my case for two and a half years now, as long as I've worked for him about investing. And it was finally this last year, it was my first, my first rental property. So Marcus and was going on. It's going well. I mean, it's been like the headaches, you know, like, oh, the fridge broke. Oh, there's an ant infestation. Oh, you know, this XXX, you know, but um, I think we've kind of hammered everything out and I think we're in month like five or six. So we're just starting to like kind of ease at, into it, you know? Yes. Nice. Well, You're going to look back in eight, nine years when you move and be like, oh, thank God I bought this so early. I no kidding. Oh, yeah. It's those prices are going to skyrocket. Like Kendall Jackson's buying out there. It's going to be, it's going to get a little crazy. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and what you were alluding to before, Jamie, with buying in the market that you can because there was cash flow, and then you just have the progression of your business going into, okay, we can now buy in a different area, uh, and here are benefits over here. And right. that's what I think for new investors to go in, and if you don't have a lot of capital, then just niche yourself out to only getting properties that cash flow so that you can build up that, that monthly cash flow take on some reserves. And then as you progress, you can get more strategic with how you look at properties uh, and then just transfer basically your portfolio over to um, maybe something that's not as cash flow intensive, but the appreciation factor will be greater at the end of it all. Right. Uh, and everything's obviously getting paid down by your tenants, but it's, I think it's just a natural progression of People that get into real estate don't have a lot of capital. You look for cash flow because that's what you need. And yep. now that you don't need to live on the cash flow, now you can go in and say, all right, I'm going to look at what's the best I can pay for appreciation and then lower my, my tax bill at the end of it. Right. So I, I think that's just a natural, um, well, hopefully I'll call it hopefully natural because <laughs> hopefully you get to that point where that is where you're looking and analyzing the data. Uh, but some people make careers on just going cash flow. Right. I mean, it's wherever you want to take it. Yeah. That's the fun part. Right. Well, and that's like something we coach a lot with even our clients is not every investor is looking for the same thing because every time we, we get this question is like, well, if it's such a great deal, why didn't you and Brad buy it? And mm -hmm. we're like, well, this, because we're not in the position of buying $150,000 single family homes anymore. Like that's not where that's not of interest of us anymore. Now, yeah. when we started, that's what we had to do because that's what we could qualify for. That's what we could get rented quickly. It was what I was familiar with. Um, I was also super out in the field all the time. So like driving by my properties, picking up rent, was it was not a big deal. Mm -hmm. We got to a point where it's like, now I'm driving to multiple properties. We, we obviously have, we have software now and a property manager, like we talked about, but you know, in the beginning, you're learning, you're, you're doing all of that manual stuff. And if something breaks, you're the one over there fixing it or mm -hmm. figuring out who you need to hire. Now we have all the people built in. Yep. And, uh, but I don't know where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought, but. Well, it's, it's like the don't bite off more than you can chew. If, yes. you, if you want to get into real estate and you can't ride a bike, jump on like a bike with training wheels. Right. Maybe that's your $150,000 with cash flow. Right, like yeah. there's nothing wrong with getting on a, a bike with training wheels. Once you can take the training wheels off, take them off 
but like get on the bike. That's the main thing. Yes, exactly. Yes. Just do it. And the sooner you do it, the better. And another thing is like comparing it to like college, like how much does pe- do people spend on college, but they won't buy a, a property that's going to make them money. They'll talk about it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how many conversations I have with people, but it, and it takes how long to make that plunge. And I'm like, the, you have a $1,200 car payment. What's a $1,200 house payment? Like, right. So yes, you might have a moment where it's vacant and you have a payment, but is your car paying you? No. And you know what the best part is? To buy a house, you only have to put 25% down or 20% down or 10% down, you know? Like you don't right. have to put the full amount down. Yep. Yeah, you're putting a portion of the price. Exactly. So. And we got- It's just getting our- people comfortable. Yeah. Because I think it's normal to go into debt to buy a car. It's normal to go into debt for college. But it's really not, it's getting more and more normal the more I look for it. But to go buy rental units is not very like normal. Right. It sounds, it's, it sounds risky. And like, it does sound risky. We, we talk about that all the time. We're like, okay, what's the real risk? You have a, something that doesn't pay you money, <laughs> or you buy something with the potential of making money and gaining appreciation. You get depreciation, like all of the things. It's yeah. an, for us, it's like, I broke it down recently in a boot camp that we did. And I just said, here's $150,000 property and what you make per day mm-hmm. out of depreciation, exact, you know, reduction in tax, your tax bill. Like I went through all of that. And I think it was like, I want to say it was like $76 a day, but that's like, if you were getting paid $76 a day, would you buy a property? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I would. And then when you look at it, it's like, but that property only cash flow is $150. But when you add up everything, you know, and I right. used a conservative appreciation rate, but it, you know, and like Brenna, it, it snowballs so fast. Like all of a sudden you have, you know, a multi-million dollar portfolio. And when the market increases by 30%, like it did this last year, you're really glad you brought, bought real estate when you did. Right. Yeah. Right. And you can go on, like, it's a simple Google search. They've got breakdowns of, uh, okay, you bought a property at $200,000, $100 cash flow the first year. What's the cash flow in year three, five, yeah. 10, 15? And it'll, it'll show you and it like quadruples by the end of it. I'm so it's not always, it's not always the first year. Like, don't look at the first year. Yeah. You're not buying a house for this year. You're right. buying a house for who knows, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Look at it over that span. Cause that's yep. what you're buying it for. Mm-hmm. And that goes into the whole apartment that you bought. And I wanted to ask one last question on that. Yeah. Just for our audience who's never one thought about buying an apartment complex or for those who have thought about buying like the C-class and fixing it with that one that you bought from purchase to renovations done. And if it's not at capacity near full capacity, what was your timeline on, two, on that full project? Years. Took about two years. years. It was a full year of just getting the tenants out. And it was hard. Like we had to, like, we have an eviction budget in for that building. And it's just in a location where we, that's just part of it. And now we just, that we work that into our, into our budget. It's like, okay, we know that we're going to have one eviction every, because now we're in year three or four. I can't even remember now, but we know like if we're going to have an eviction and we do like, it's, what is it? March. And we just sent one over to our, t- our attorney. 
Oh but God. two years was really the full timeline of like getting everyone out, renovating the units and getting a new tenant pool in there. Yeah. And that seems pretty reasonable. Like that's a pretty good timeline to get everything done. Cause obviously when you buy the building, you have to take on and assume all of those leases. Yeah. So you have to work with wherever they're at. Yeah. And you don't like the, the leases that we've gotten on some of our buildings are like, we don't even know if they were legit. <laughs> Cause we basically said we need a lease to close and yeah. it's just been interesting to see because just cause we run our business a certain way, other people don't run their, there's a lot of landlords that don't know what they're doing. And so, you know, the buildings that we've, one of the buildings that we bought, the guy literally handed us like, like a bunch, a stack of paper leases with like scribble lines. Like you couldn't even tell if it was like a real signature or not. And sure enough, like nobody in the building, paid, this was only six units. This is the one we fully converted to short-term housing, but nobody in the whole building paid rent when we bought it. Like nobody. So yeah. we had zero, we had zero, we thought we were going to get rental income. We thought that we were going to have at least something coming in. No, if, like the people, the guy in like the lower unit used to call the cop. He used to basically say we had a gas leak every day. He'd sleep outside when it was two degrees out. So, so it was very like, and Whoa. then we found out because there was like a, like he, there was something he, like, we couldn't tell if it was drugs or if it was actually like a mental issue. Right. And so we ended up having to, we couldn't evict him. We actually had to have him go to like a, like a, a hospital, more like a hospital. So we had to get him to volunteer to get help. Oh, so it was a really like super crazy learning experience. And then we also, there's a, like he, there was like a seven day period. Like there was all these quirky things within what we had to do. Like we only had seven days to change the locks and we had to like document all of his things, but then he ended up coming back and moving into the unit across the hall. And like, it was just a like the craziest things he would cut the cable lines. So we went through like a lot of drama with that one too. And then again, headache factor, like, and we, you get to a point where like, I hate to say numb, but you do become kind of numb. And it's like unfortunate because, you know, your first ones, you hear the sob story and you're like, I want to help you. But now you, it's like, okay, we have a business. Can you pay rent or can you not pay rent? You have to look at yeah. it at the end of the day, like, it's not us being cold. It's just, we've been burned so many times. Mm-hmm. And even with people that we didn't think would ever not pay rent, you know, all of a sudden yeah. you've got that happening. And anyways, it's a really you know, fine, it's a fine balance that you've got to navigate. Cause, uh, and I know we've, we talked about this on some of the early shows when you get into it, you can't run it just personal and you can't run it just as a business because right. both are going to fail you've got to find an equal medium. You're dealing with people, you're dealing with their homes. They may have children involved. They may have pets involved. Like it's not a cut and dry thing. Right. But the tenants need to understand the rules that are going to go on. And then the property manager, the owners need to understand the rules that they have. Mm -hmm. And it's just got to be like, how can we go at this the most respectful way possible? I'm not coming at you as a person. I'm just coming at you because these are things that need to be done as the business. Right. And it it gets tough and hopefully people are still respectful through it all. Yeah. That's That's my husband's really good about that. Like setting expectations. Cause I like, 
it's hard. And that's what, like, it's a good partnership when you have somebody where it's like, okay, cause he can, when people move in, he like literally has the conversation of like, here's what you're getting. Here's yep. what we do. Here's what we cover. And here's what we're willing to do, but we're not, you're not moving into like the Taj Mahal. Like you don't, yeah. you're, not, you're not getting like luxury. If you want that luxury experience, you can go rent, you know, right. at the property management company in town that rents brand new for double the price where right. you have, you know, you want a defense backyard for your dog and your kids and that you, this is a home for you guys. And so there are some things that we expect you to do, but then, you know, if there's a problem, we want to know about it because we care about the property and we care about you. We want to keep you, you right. know, we want you to stay here and be happy. So it is like, you have to have customer service, but also like, boundaries and ex and reasonable expectations of each other for sure yep. yeah and it gets finicky when the furnace goes down at 2 a.m yeah and you're yeah. like okay i'll i'll call it in um and that's when it's like okay when do you discover the problem because like a furnace going out i'm imagining you didn't just take a baseball bat to it so it's a failed system right so is this something that you need fixed right now because it's 30 cool. below zero right. um is this something that can be fixed in the morning because if it can be fixed in the morning it will be cheaper for us to do rather than calling after hour right. support um and i have those conversations beforehand where like if this is something that we could have fixed during the business hour but you waited to text me until you got back from work you're probably gonna have to pay that the extra charge to get the service number out I'll pay for the fix because you didn't, again, didn't take a baseball bat to the furnace. Right. That's a me problem. Mm -hmm. But where the you problem was is because you didn't notify me where we could have got it in for cheaper. Right. Um, and to have those conversations up front where, yeah, paint the wall, put a mural in the living room. But like you're under the discretion of if I don't like it, you're either going to have to paint it back or you have to pay for me to paint it back. Yes. So if as long as you guys are fine with that, like I'm telling you, it's probably going to add a couple hundred dollars onto your security deposit. Yep. But if you guys want to do that, then you're adults and just take the charge and yeah. don't complain later on it. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so it's a, it's a very fine balance, but as long as you can get tenants and obviously with talking to them and getting to know them a little bit more as they live in your building, you kind of get a sense of how they're going to operate when things yes. get tough or when things don't happen. Right. Cause you'll have tenants that like, they think the fridge is broken and it's really like the light bulb was out, but right. their world was just about to end yep. because all their food oh, yeah. is going to spoil. Yep. And then you've got other people that like the light bulb will be burnt out and you'll go to turn out the, th the turnover, the unit. You're like, Hey, when was the bulb out? And like, ah, oh, that, that was out like three days after I moved in. Yeah. <laughs> like you, I don't That's go in your single fridge. Family you got to tell are. me these things. Right. We like, hardly ever get calls on our single families anymore. Oh yeah. They're great. Yep. The only downside to the single family is when you have a vacancy, you're at 100% vacancy. Right. That's the only downside. Yep. To the single family. Well, I think we're going to have to have her come back on again because we're going to have to cut yes. a little short today. Um, yep. You, you just seems like you're a wealth of knowledge and you have so many incredible stories that I want to hear more. Well, thank you guys yeah, for having me. Yeah, we didn't even get your properties out of state. What was that? We didn't even get into your properties out of state. So next show, we're going to have to dive into those. Sounds good. Well, thank Alrighty. you guys so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you.
Enjoy your weekend. You too. In whatever state you're in. I'll be on the mountain. (laughs) Okay, perfect. All right, enjoy it. Thank you very much. All right, bye guys. Bye. Bye.